but we are going to continue. Let's get our Bible. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to be reading verse 1 through verse 9, and we're going to get into God's Word. This message that God gave me some weeks ago, I've been carrying around in my spirit, waiting to unload. So today is your day. Second Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verse 1 through verse number 9. And then we're going to give you our subject in Ephesians 4.30. When you get there, say amen. amen. All right, let's read together. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some other epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of a living God, not in the tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God. What? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written in engraving stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, whose glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Let's go to Ephesians 4.30. We'll get our subject. From the book of Ephesians, chapter 4 and verse 30. This is a book that seems like we can't get away from. But today we're going to really find out why the Lord has been keeping us here. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Let's read together. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen. You may be seated, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve not the Holy Spirit is a message. Say that with me. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, that's what we're going to talk about. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to find out why is that so. Father, we give you all the praise now and all the glory. Thanking you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us eternal life. Thank you for your righteousness, your peace, your joy in the Holy Spirit. Now we ask you to lead us and guide us, we pray. Thank you for teaching us your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding of your new covenant. In Jesus' name, all the grief that press it. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, what we are doing here, we are adding to. This morning, we've gave you part five, volume five, on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And in this teaching, we're gonna, we, our whole emphasis is to show you the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, this teaching is called Grieve Not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we're going to show you uh, how that's done. We, go, we gave you the definition of grieve this morning. We're going to be giving you some more information. Now, this word grieve, I think I gave you eight this morning or seven or something like that, but I want to give them to you again. They're on the screen. 
Uh, you can write them down on the screen. If you get this uh, DVD, you're going to see them on the screen. It says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Now, number one, you'll see it says, to bring to sorrow. Now, those words are showing you how you can grieve the Holy Spirit. To offend, you can offend the Holy Spirit. To displease, you can displease the Holy Spirit. Then you can cause to mourn the Holy Spirit. You can absolutely cause the Holy Spirit to mourn. You can grieve, that's that word, grieve the Holy Spirit. To inflict pain on, to inflict pain on. And last is to oppress. You can oppress the Holy Spirit. Here's another one. Burden, you can, our nursery is open. To burden, you can burden the Holy Spirit. Then also it means to make sad, to make sad. You can call the Holy Spirit to be sad. And it's all because of the way you live your life. So we want to be able to teach you this today because I, I don't think people understand what happens when we don't live our life. What, what do we do? What happens when we don't live our life? When God has given us his life. Now this is all going to start off teaching you Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3. You have to be able to take three chapters and understand the first three chapters is what God telling you what he did for you. This is how you divide the whole Ephesians chapter 4. I'm sorry, the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is six chapters. The first three chapters, God is telling you what he's done for you. The second three chapters, which is chapter 4, 5, 6, God is telling you what he requires of you. And his requirement of you is to live and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. So I'm going to give you some things as we get ready to get into this, because I want you to fully understand this. And when you don't do that, that's grieving the Holy Spirit. And so God has set an authority in earth. He has set his authority in the church. And, and we are the people in the earth who obey authority and set examples everywhere we go of authority. We don't, we don't just run red lights. We don't just uh, speed. We don't just disobey authority. And see, all of this is showing that we do not understand. All those things is what grieving the Holy Spirit, of course. But I'm going to show you how Israel did it. I'm going to take you back to Genesis. Matter of fact, uh, let's go back to Genesis. Let's go back to Genesis in chapter 6. And let's go back to verse 5. And let's, let's look at this. We can do all this in the King James for the time's sake. In Genesis chapter 6, so in the church is where you have to understand is where God's authority is on display. And you have to be very careful in the church when people who in authority ask you to do something because there's no authority but of God. It's no different than a police officer. It's no different than a teacher in the school. But you want to be able to conceive this in your spirit as you think of a father, a mother, and children. It grieved the parents when they have told their children, don't come in after 10 o'clock tonight, please. And then they come in at 12. One, two, three. And then they expect everything to be okay. Well, see, the key is what they have done is they have grieved the spirit of the parent. This is the same thing that, that we do when God wants us to obey our thoughts. And then we want somebody else to obey us. You know, that, we, we don't want to obey authority, but we want somebody to obey us. You know, and it's not going to happen like that. You have to understand there's no authority but of God. And I have to understand the Bible said the authority that ordained is ordained of God, just like police officers, just like judges in courtrooms. 
you know, I, I, I go in the courtrooms and a lot of times, most of the time I wear a hat. And if I already know to take my hat off because that judge can't come out there and see you sitting up in there with a hat on his courtroom. The first thing he's going to do is embarrass you. So you just go take the hat off because he's going to tell you to take it off. He, he feels like you don't respect him in his courtroom. And so you have to understand, that's why when a, when a judge comes out, the first thing the people say to you is what? All right. It doesn't make a difference whether you want to get up or not. That's how he want to be treated in his courtroom. And everybody ride, he said, okay, so you can sit down. But that's how authority is, that's how the thought. In this church, we have asked all people who are in authority for us, leadership and authority, to be here at least 8.30 in the morning. Now, there are some people here at 8 o'clock. I mean, we're we in prayer and, and, and the word for this ministry until 8 o'clock in the morning, but there are people already at the door. If it's, if it's 8.01 or 8.30 seconds, somebody knock on that door most likely. But the thing about it is people are here. But then we got to understand that they want to be here. Everybody ought to be here. Why would you want authority of the church? If you work at a plant, which we all work in a plant, and that used to be my person back there I used to speak of all the time who was our plant manager, uh, the guy back there who's going to be taking me to dinner. But anyway, he I, was, I, was on skill, I was on skilled trades. I was on skilled trades at General Motors. He cut up all our chairs. That, that guy right there. He, had, he came in at midnight. You know, he's a plant manager, so he comes in at night. Everybody, everybody got to get it rolling when he walk in. So uh, they said, uh, you know, uh, Wiseheart coming in tonight. And so when Wiseheart came in, the, he, he stands around, he see all these chairs, because see, he don't see no work getting done. He behind and he's counting stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> so he said, what are all these chairs around here for? He said, well, you know, these guys take some breaks. I want them all cut up. That's the guy back there. <laughs> we come in the next morning, all metal chairs, good chairs. Our chair who we take a break on, he had them all cut up. Uh, you know, we, me and him brothers now. <laughs> we saved. <laughs> you know, that's my brother. All right. But that's, but that's what you understand. But he had the authority to do that. If he said do that, they're going to do it. You didn't make any difference about no skilled trade. Make no difference who we are. The plant manager says, <laughs> am I right? It's don't make them what you said. All right. But see, that's authority. And you got to understand our responsibility was to obey authority. So we have to understand it. And I'm going to give you some, a lot of words today. A lot of words. Now, when we got to this chapter started, we're going to give you Genesis 6, 5 through 8 first. Then I'm going to take you to the book of Acts. I'm going to show you in chapter 5 in the book of Acts. Uh, because this thing is very important. I'm, teach, I'm teaching on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I kind of feel like I'm just getting there, you know, uh, because we have to respect the Holy Spirit in the church. Everything that's given us in the new covenant is given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul is ministering to us the new covenant, but it's by the Holy Spirit. So in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, it's telling us what God did for us. The next three chapters, which is chapter 4, 5, 6, God is telling us what's required of us, what he wants us to do. And what happens is we hear it and we just shun it off. But what it does, when we don't obey it, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Now that's what we want to show you today. All right, that's just what Paul, why Paul said it in chapter 4 and not chapter 3. Everybody understand that? Chapter 1, 2, 3, God is telling you what he's doing for you. I'm going to show you that in just a moment. 
Now, here it is back in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination, remember these words, images, imaginations, and every thought of his heart was evil continually. So some, what he imagined, what, what he thought was continually. What, what, he, what he imagined and thought was evil continually. And the Bible said, it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth. And watch what it says. And it grieved him in his spirit. God was grieved. That's one of the words I showed you about grief. You grieve not the Holy Ghost. It grieved God in his spirit. Now, why did this grieve God? Because God had already given man everything he wanted. But when man ate of a tree of knowledge of good and evil, now man had evil imaginations in his heart. So that grieved God in his heart. And watch what God says. And the Lord God said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. That's what God said. Once man, he saw that man grieve his heart by the way he lived. But the Bible said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, my point is, if Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, that means Noah lived not according to the people before of his generation. He lived so he was pleasing to the Lord. Because, only because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, that's what that means. Now, if you found grace in the eyes of the Lord, let's look at two verses. And that is the book of Galatia. Number one, the book of Galatia, chapter number five. We want to look at two verses. And that's verse number... 16 and 25. All right. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 25. Now these two verses tell you about how to be led by the Spirit. Now, if you are born of the Spirit, you have the Spirit inside of you, then why you don't allow the Spirit to lead you? Now, that's one of the things you can say. But if you have the Spirit inside of you, the Spirit is going to take over the leadership in your house. You're going to have to submit to that, or you have consequences in your house because you won't yield to the Spirit. See, this same word, vex, I'm going to show you that's under the word grieve, meaning to vex the Holy Spirit. It's the same word as the challenge. You know, it's like, like if I got a son, and my son is already 12 and 13 years old, he started to rebel. What he's really trying to do is challenge me and challenge the authority that I have. And that's what you got to understand as parents is when you tell your children to do something, they, go, they, they voice get a little heavy. Uh, why do you want me to do that? They want to challenge your authority. That's why you're going to have to say, because I asked you to go do it. But see, we want to stay there saying, <laughs> you can see their voice get louder and louder. You're going to have to understand they're challenging your authority. And that's what you got to understand. Understand. Okay, now this word vex means to strive against. And that's why they that's what they do when you strive against the Holy Spirit. You fighting against his authority. He's telling you, I want you here at nine and you or eight o'clock or eight thirty or, or what we say eight thirty here. And you say, I'm not going to I'm not going to eight thirty. I ain't going to nine thirty. Do what they want to do. It's not me you're fighting against. It's the Holy Spirit. See, we set a time here at this church to start worshiping praise here at 9 o'clock in the morning, whether you're here or not. We're going to start at 11 o'clock, second service, whether you're here or not. See, we don't wait till you get here and start. Have you ever noticed? 
When you walk through them door, we already having service. But somewhere down the line, you're going to have to say, oh, they start here at 9. I need to be there at 9. They start here at 11. I need to be at 11. Now, in the morning, when you go to work, this principle going to kick off. Oh, my job starts at 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. What time do you think you're going to be at work? Probably a quarter to 4 or 3.30. Because it kicks in now. I'm going to do this. Sunday morning, we go back to cruise. You know, I, I get there when I get there. Now, God always blesses you before he asks you to do something. And so this is what we're going to begin to see. You're going to begin to see Israel. I'm going to show you a person. Uh, did I finish that in Genesis? Okay. Now, let's go to chapter 5. Galatians 5, 16 and, 8, and 19, right? Let's look at that. This I say. Watch what he says. What's that? 16 25. This I say, walk in the spirit. This is what Paul said in the church. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. Just walk in the spirit. Look at somebody I said, just walk in the spirit. See, so you, no, so you won't have no problem with God just walking in the spirit. You don't have to worry about God just walking in the spirit. Now, what do that mean? It's allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Let's look at verse number 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Now, the word walk there means to live your life, right? So I need to live my life in the spirit. And the only way I'm going to do that is do the thing God asked me to do in his word. See, once I get into flesh, you know you're in the flesh. You start a lying, you're not in the spirit. You can't lie in the spirit. So you see people lying, they're not in the spirit, but not at that time. See, to, to live your life in the spirit, you're going to have to be a person who tells the truth. And I'm going to show you in the word of God. Let, let's go back to Genesis. Let's go back to Acts 5. Let me show you a couple. In the book of Acts chapter 5, this is when the church first started. But then we're going to show you when you're lying, after you get saved, you're not lying to me. Everything you do is as unto the Lord. Your obedience is not to me, is as unto the Lord. That's why God even talk about wives, husband and wives. We're going to look at this in Ephesians 5. He tells your wives, submit yourself to your own husband as unto the Lord. It's not, it's not I'm doing it for him. Because you wouldn't do it for your husband, you will never do it. You have to do it as unto the Lord because the Lord asks you to. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm not doing that because I feel like it. I'm doing it because the Lord asked me to. We are heirs together the grace of life. My job is to be kind to her. The word of God told me that. Not to be mean to her. She shouldn't live with me in fear. I mean, she should not be laying in the bed on the other side of the bed and got a knife cocked like a... <laughs> Man, she, she in fear, boy. She don't know, what, she don't know what's going to happen tonight. And then God told you, told parents, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You, you don't do things to cause your children to get angry all the time. Otherwise, you cannot wait till they get to be 17 so you want to take out a belt. 
You provoking them to wrath. Now here they are, taller than you are, bigger than you are. Well, I'll tell you what, I, you should have did that when they were down there. You provoking them to wrath. Otherwise, now you're going to have to change your method of discipline. You've got to change your method of discipline. You can't use a belt when they get 17, 18 years old. You got to do that when they're young. You what your girls walk in there, they're 15, 16 years old, you grab a belt. What's that for, mother? <laughs> See, you, got, you waited too late to do that. All right. Let's move on. See, that's why a lot of us that are our age, when I say our age up in the 50s and 60s, our mothers when they, we were young and daddies when they were young, they got us early. My daughter, my daughter always said this to me. There's nowhere in the world, Dad, we could have got away with that. And they right. I mean, we was on it. You know, but we got to understand that our children have to be disciplined early. Can't wait till they get up there and they got you wearing your dresses and your makeup. Now you want to spank them. A little, you wait a little late now. Change you. You got to have another way to discipline. Everybody understand that? It don't mean you don't discipline, but you got to find another way to do that. Okay. All right. Now, let's go to Genesis. I'm sorry. Acts 5. Now, this story in Acts chapter 5, uh, I'm going to look at the first 11 verses, which I was not, but I'm going to do it anyway. In Acts chapter 5, God is setting the church in order. And he's going to allow the church to realize, I'm not going to have any line up in here. Everybody got to tell the truth. You're in church. This is the church. Don't lie to one another. That's one of the things I'm going to show you in Ephesians chapter 5. But he said, a certain man named Ananias, his wife Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Now this is one of the reasons why we stop in this ministry telling you to pay tithe. Because paying tithe in the day's church, and it, it really puts you in abundance because you really is not paying tithe. And I'm not going to have you sit in abundance thinking that you are. The word tithe means tenth. And so if you never gave a tenth, you never paid tithe. So God took that away in the new covenant because he wants to see your heart, not your tithe. Let me say it again. He wants to see your heart not your tithe. In the Old Testament, if you miss a Sunday, the next Sunday you came to church, you brought your tithe from two Sundays. See, this is what this is about. These people in the Old Covenant, they were tithers. And they had sold a possession. And they came in the church line. So let's join the story, shall we? And verse 2 says, he kept back part of the price. His wife also knew about it, was privy to it. And he brought a certain part and then laid it at the apostles' feet. See, they were supposed to bring the tithe and give it to the apostles so they can distribute to the whole church. But they're going to keep back part of it. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan, that same verse, you was okay, verse 3. But Peter said, why, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? See, otherwise, they weren't lying to Peter. They were lying to the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost was the one told them to bring the, bring the offering. To lie to the Holy Ghost, keep back part of the price of the, of the land. Now, this is another reason why we stopped going on some trips. You know, we had women's fellowship trips. And uh, I told my wife, I said, right now, we're not going to be able to afford women's fellowship trips. We got we to pay for the church. 
Because we have women fellowship, women fellowship, they going to they going to the women fellowship. They're not gonna pay no offering. So we didn't have offerings for the women to go to the fellowship. Now there'll come a time we can be able to do this and women can go back to the fellowship again. But if they're gonna take the money, go to the fellowship, not pay their offering, then we, we can. I'm, de- I'm destroying the church myself. Amen. All right. Let's move on. There'll come a day. There'll come a day we're going to start back up women's fellowship. So if they don't pay the offering, we don't have to be okay. We are. But what he says, he could say, but while it remained, was it, was, not, was it not still yours? And after it was sown, was it not in your own power? Why has you conceived this thing in your heart that thou hast lied? Not, you have not lied to men. You have lied to God. Now this was Ananias and Fire. Their own land, because they were tithing. When you sold your land, you're supposed to take a tithe and give it to the man of God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. He died in church that morning. And the Bible said, great fear came on all of them that heard these things. Now they saw Ananias call up front, told him what he did. He dropped dead, and now here come his wife to church. You know, you know who that is. She's late every Sunday. Here she comes. Young men arose. Now, his, her husband coming to church, he's dead. They get ready to carry him out. She don't even know. She didn't even see it. So here she's coming in, probably putting up her cameras and whatever, her donkeys. And, you know, she's wealthy. She's coming in, and she don't know nobody know what's going on. So the young man arose and, and wrapped up, wound up her husband, carried him out, married him. He, she don't even know. Here she's coming in. And so they're they going to ask a question. It was about the space of three hours. Three hours. They have a long church, didn't they? All right, three hours. While when his wife, not knowing what was done, here she is three hours late. The church started three hours ago. She finally gets to church. Her husband dead and buried him before she didn't get to church. Peter asked and said, well, uh, ma'am, uh, yes, uh, are you Ananias? Yeah, Sapphire, okay. He, Tell me what you sold the land for so much. She said, yeah, yeah, we sold it for so much. So she lied, because her and her husband agreed on it. Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together? Watch what word he's going to use to tempt the spirit of the Lord. I'm going to show you that's what Israel did many times in the Old Covenant. They agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord. So that's another word that's grieved the Holy Ghost when you tempt the spirit of God. Behold, the feet of them which have buried your husband is at the door. So you see them guys over there, you know, they, they're morticians, they stand at the door over there. They just buried your husband, they at the door. They waiting to carry you out. When he said that, his wife fell straightway at his feet, yielded up the ghost, the young men carried her out, found her dead, carried her out and buried her by her husband. That's what happened in church. And the Bible said great fear came upon all the church as many as heard these things. When they saw what happens when people lie to God. Let, let, me, let me take you to, to, I showed you this morning, I'm going to go back. I'm going to do it out of King James. Isaiah 63, 7 through 14. So in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 7 through 14, we saw what Israel did. See, when you read Psalm 78, Psalm 78 is filled with this kind of stuff. 
Because that's what they did. They tempted God. And people understand, you know, when God has blessed you, and that's what Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3 is about, showing you everything. I'm going to go back and read that again. I'm going to start with chapter 2 today. God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. And yet people would not obey God and give him the things they supposed to. Gave him, gave him everything. Gave him eternal, gave him everything. And yet people would not give to the Lord as a cheerful giver. I mean, it's really sad. That grieved the Holy Spirit. You know, there are times God blesses you, I'm talking about with over and abundance, but you will never give any more than you've always given. See, the key is you, you, you don't trust God. Don't you know to believe God is to trust God? A whole lot of folks think they believe in God. You don't trust God. Not with your money. But you tell me you trust him with your soul? Wait a minute. How can you trust him out your life and won't trust him with your money? See, what we do is, this, this, this Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3 is so powerful because it's showing you God did everything for you. Everything you needed. Even your salvation plan. Even your inheritance. And all he asks you to do is keep his word. Let, let's, let's, before we go to Isaiah, let's go to 2 Peter chapter number 1. Verse 1 through 4. See, when God blesses you with much, he expects you to give much. But see, he watches your heart because he blesses you with much and you will not give him the more you have always given. See, that's when God knows he can't bless you no more because you just, he's not here just to make, he's not here just to make you rich. He wants to make you a channel of blessings. He wants to, want to be able to, it's like a pipeline. When you buy things, the reason why this thing here sold, was sold to my daughter for me, because it holds what I need. If this doesn't keep it, it's for me. Most of the stuff you see at corporations, when they build new corporations, and sometimes corporation buys building from other corporations. Do you know what the, the new builder usually do? Throw out everything in the building. Ain't nothing wrong with it. They just don't want to have what the other people have. And they don't want to just give it to folk because people are going to come back next week and sue them because see, there was, something was wrong with this. So they just put them in the garbage. They have dumpsters outside that building with new stuff in it. We've been called in many times and say, just go in and get what you want. We're not responsible for anything we give you. Don't sign up there. No, we're not responsible for nothing. Just take what you want. See, that's how a lot of corporations are. You'll be surprised at General Motors. Now, these people who work for General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler know what I'm saying because they have as many cars out back that they have crushed, crushed, crashed. That on their front paper, on their front lot to sell. And when you go see these cars, you're gonna like, oh, I want that one. They can't give it to you. It's, it's for test. 
And all they're going to do is drive it into the wall. How many know what I'm talking about? You guys, you guys are business people. That's all they did. Anywhere they build cars, they got a place, especially in plant, we was in plant eight and nine, we was in six where we walk over there. And he said, man, look at all these cars over here. Ain't nothing wrong with them. He said, they, they're not going to give them to you. They already been crashed. They got to crash them again. And they tear them up, mash them up, squeeze them up, whatever, and just melt them down, build a new one. So you got to understand, that's how people do, they, the stuff that you're fighting and arguing about to them don't mean nothing. All right, let's go to work. Now, 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4. Simon Peter, servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. He's talking to the people that have obtained like precious faith. Then he said to them, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Then he said, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch what he get into verse 3. According as his divine power, watch this, hath, past him, his divine power hath given us, watch this, same thing I'm going to show you in Ephesians 1 and 3. This is what same thing. First, God starts off telling you he gave you everything. He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. It means he has given you everything to live this life and to live it godly. So God gave you everything in this life to live this life and to live it godly. But it's through the knowledge of him that has called you to glory and virtue. Now he say he called you. Whereby are given, here's again, same thing Paul told the church in Ephesians 1 and 3. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. By thee, that by these you might be partake of the divine nature. See, they had to get theirs through promises. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So God has given them everything. Now in Ephesians 1 and 3, Paul told this to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the Lord God. Blessed be the Lord God. You don't tell the people how would he ever know, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Where are they? They're all in Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So he's already blessed us. Ephesians chapter number one, two, three. These three chapters. God has already given us everything we needed. Already saved us. Now, in chapter four, five, and six, he's going to ask us a question. He's demanding us our lifestyle. So that's why you got Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit. All the way through Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, you're going to see him telling you how he wants you to live. So Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to go through some of these. Uh, I'm not going to do Ananias anymore. We, we got the message. But let's go to Ephesians first. Let's start with chapter number 2, because I finished chapter 1. Go to Ephesians 2.1. Going to tell you what God had done. Ephesians chapter number 2. Let's start off reading verse number 1. 
Now remember, Ephesians 1, 2, 3, everything God did for you. You see nothing lacking, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing. everything is yours. You has he quickened. That word quickened me. Let's do that in the NLT, will you? Let's do this in the NLT. You has he quickened. That word quickened, when I get to that, I'm going to do a teaching on that. Me made alive, resurrected from the dead. You, you were dead because of your dis disobedience and your many sins. See, we were dead. We were dead in sin. You used to live in sin. Now, one of the reasons why you got to understand that God, I'm gonna, when I get to this, you'll see it. God does not talk about sin in the teaching that Paul is teaching when he teaches to the body of Christ. Usually to the Hebrews. But let's move on. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now that's awesome, isn't it? The devil is busy in the hearts of people who refuse to obey God. So you think about it, when you people walk in disobedience, that's not God. Evil spirit is trying to entice you. All, and all of us used to live that way, Paul says. Following this passion, desires, and the inclinations of our sinful nature, by our own very nature, we were subject to God's anger, see? Just like everyone in the world is. But God is so rich in his mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been right with God. It's only by God's grace. Only by God's grace. Let me say it again. For he raised him from the dead along with Christ and he seated us in the heavenly, in the heavenly realm because we are justified, we are unified with Christ Jesus. We're unified with Christ Jesus. So God, so God can point to us in all the future ages as an example of his incredible wealth, his grace, his kindness toward us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. Now, so everything is about what he done for us. He, look, watch what he did. He saved you by his grace. When you believe, he can't do, you can't get this until you believe, the, believe God, Christ's death and resurrection. He saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can take credit. You cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. See, when, he, when you believe, he saves you. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so none of us can boast about it. See, so, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And that's to live holy. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, Jews believers, who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their outward appearance of their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. He's reminding the Gentile, don't forget this, you used to live apart from Christ. You were you was excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant of promise had made to, 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 to them. You didn't know the covenant. You live in this world without God and you were without hope. He's reminding us where we were. But now, see, you've been united with Christ Jesus 
once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So he's given us everything he's done for us. Christ himself has brought you peace, brought peace to us. He has united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When he his own body, his own body on the cross, he did it with his own body on the cross. He broke down the middle wall of hostility that separates Jews and Gentiles. He did this by ending the system. Remember, he did it by ending the system of law. He ended the system of law. And yet people think the law still exists. So why do Pastor Crump do not do communion anymore? God ended the system. Leave it on the screen. He ended the system of law. Why he doesn't baptize no more? He ended the system of law. If you go back and look on the law, the law required water baptism. The law required Passover, taking Passover. But we don't do that because God, here it is, he did this by in the system of law with his commandments and recollections. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people for the two groups. He, one new people, the body of Christ. No more Jews, no more Gentiles, just one body in Christ. Somebody give the Lord praise in this house. That's why we are not called Gentiles no more. They are not called Jews no more. Not in this Bible, just in America and all over the world, okay? But it's not in the Bible. But they have not accepted the New Testament. They only stop at Malachi. They have not accepted Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, nor the New Covenant. They still believe they have to keep the law because the body of Christ told them on Christian television to Jesus come back. So they're waiting for Jesus to come back because we told them. So sad. So sad. My point is, everyone would die and not in the Lord. They're going to die because they rejected the cross. They rejected Christ and they're waiting for the Lord to come back, which already came back when people were really Jews and when they were really Gentiles. You're not that no more. Go to Romans chapter 3, the last two verses. See, the thing about it is when you don't know the word, you don't know what to say. That's why I'm here to teach you the word. I said Romans chapter 3, that's not the one I want. I want to show where they're Yeah, Romans chapter 2, I'm sorry, that's it, 3. Romans chapter number 2, uh, and read uh, 28 and 29. So if you want to mark this in your Bible... You want to get that to me out the NLT, you're already there at the NLT probably, if you're not, do that. Romans chapter 2, verse, think 28 and 29. See, there are people are not Jews no more. See, when Christ went to the cross, he eliminated the old covenant. The old covenant made people Jews. When God gave the law to Israel, he made them Jews. When he took away the covenant, he fulfilled it. That's how he abolished it. He fulfilled it. Then there now there's no more Jews and Gentiles. Born or free, you're all one in Christ. You ever heard that scripture? Right. 
No more Jews and Gentiles. See, that's why he went to the cross to make it himself twain, one new man. And that new man is Christ. So when everybody get into Christ, they become one man. You cannot hold on to your natural beings in Christ. See, when you was in Adam, it was for natural. Multiply, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, or subdue it. In Adam, that's what you did naturally. In Christ, you do that spiritually. So in the new covenant, God not trying to have spiritual children. He turned the natural into spirit. Old Testament, he made all children naturally. New Testament, he's making them spiritually. So he's not trying to get natural children. That's why, if you notice, what he does will never end. Over here, he's making vessels. And he's making the vessel to honor, not to dishonor. So now he's making the vessel. What is he doing with the vessels? Is to put the spirit in. Over here, he made you a, go to 1 Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Now, you got to remember who I am. Now, I'm giving you this. I don't have my notes. I'm just walking and talking, so you know what I just left. 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read that, but let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So you have to understand something. That's how God did. He made vessels. He made some to honor and some to dishonor. Well, the one he made to dishonor was physical natural blessings, natural bodies. A potter, the potter broke the vessel. But he broke it, so he wants to make a new vessel. And that's why what happened, that's why we are the new vessels. But he made us so he can put the spirit in, the wine. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. Put that in the King James Version. I like that better. I like the last part that Christ is a life-giving spirit, but that, that's good too, but... He said, it's written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. I want to use that word soul because that's who Adam is. The word Adam means soul. So God made Adam a living soul. So when man was called Adam, he was called soul. In the new covenant, it's not, God is not making soul. He only can make soul when people are born to the earth physically and naturally. Because now they have, through Adam, they have a soul. You understand that? But God's plan was not to stop at the soul. It was to now take the soul and make and reborn the soul now because Adam had eaten the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And now he would make man spirit. So put that on the screen again. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, talking about Christ, is a quickening spirit. So you can see what did God do. The word quickening means life-giving. But God could not give life to the flesh. He had to give life to the soul man. So he had to make Adam and put Adam into a physical flesh. So when he get to the cross, he can make him a spirit man. He had to make the spirit man from the soul. Because the soul is the only one that lives forever. The flesh profited nothing. I know people keep telling you that the Lord, you know, every funeral you're going to see, they just put him in the ground and the Lord going, he's not going back for the dirt. 
absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? All right. Now, how be it that was not first which is spiritual, the soul, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. All earthly people have souls. All heavenly people have spirit. So when a man is not saved, he does not have spirit. He only has soul. He only true. He has natural life, soul life, but he does not have spiritual life. That makes him like God. Why are the people on this side like God? I'm not saying you're not. I'm trying to use, show you something. So when people on this side, they just got soul, they're not, they're not, they don't have the spirit, they are not complete. You're only complete in Christ. What makes you complete? When Christ's spirit comes inside of you, now you have spirit, soul, and body. Now you're complete. Now you're like your father. You're like your father. See, the father is a trinity. That's why revelation, knowledge, you got to, to find revelation, knowledge, you got to understand what it means to say it's a trinity. There is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. You're not complete if you don't have understanding. I can give you a car, I give you a tag, everything else, a license, everything to drive it, but you can't drive it. You don't have understanding. Car sits in the yard until I get there. Amen. Only thing, one thing you like is understanding. Once you understand how to do something, you can always do it. If you ever rode a bicycle, you can ride a motorcycle. Same principle. Can you hold it up? If you ever learn that principle, a motorcycle and a bicycle are the same thing. Can you hold them up? That's how I learned how to ride a bike. I said, I can ride a motorcycle. I can ride a bicycle. He said, well, can you hold up the mic? Yeah, I can hold it. Just hold it up and let it drive by itself. Oh, that's all. That's how you understand, just understanding. All right, let's get back. All right, now what did I give you? Now, let me give you these three. I gave them to you this morning. I'm going to give them to you again. Uh, I got about 15 to 16 minutes. Don't forget who I am. Write it down. Where am I? Romans 2, 20 and 29. Let me finish that. All right, those are things. Let me, you right there, that's where I'm going, good. I gave you this morning three words. I gave you spirit, soul, and body. I might well give them to you again while I'm there because you are a triune. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. You gotta understand the spiritual principle. Spirit, soul, and body. In you, Christ is spirit. He has turned your soul into spirit because now you are one spirit in Christ. No, we call it soul, but you are really one spirit in Christ. I show you that. Remind me to show you that in 1 Corinthians 6. I had to find the verse there. We are one spirit in Christ. I get to it. Somebody may get to it before me. All right, 1 Corinthians 6 or 2 Corinthians 6. One of them to you, one spirit. All right, verse 23, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy, 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 holy. 
I pray, God, your whole spirit. Come on, say whole spirit. Whole soul. Whole body. See, be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they was waiting on the Lord to come. So they, the whole thing is spirit, soul, and body. Do everybody see that? Thank y'all in the choir. Thank God. Y'all, did y'all see that? Oh. Thank you, living stones. Praise the Lord. All right. Spirit, soul, and body. All right. Now, you want to write those three words down. On the screen, I'm going to give them to you. I already gave them back there, so I'm giving you. Each one is five. If you look up in the word spirit, you have faith, hope, love, prayer, worship. Showing you what you do with your spirit. You got faith, hope, and love. Remember Paul told you in 1 Corinthians, these three remain, 1 Corinthians, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. You know that, don't you? I won't bother you on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the last three verses. Last verse it says, and now about it, faith, hope, and love. These three, the greatest of these are charity. You remember all that stuff, but I, you know. Faith, hope, and love. But there's also prayer and worship. Then you have the word soul, which is also five. You have conscience. So you study the Bible, you have to know when the Bible talks about conscience, he's talking about your soul. This is what got saved. Your conscience got saved. Your imaginations got saved. Your memory got saved. Your reason got saved. And your thoughts got saved. That's the mind. You want to put the word the mind right by the word thoughts. Your mind was saved. So when you say you're saved, that's what got saved. All right? Then you have the word body. It's the outward suit that you're wearing this morning. Praise the Lord. You got to turn that in. <laughs> you only got that because you're here. To be absent from the, <laughs> you got to turn that in. <laughs> to come into this earth realm, God allowed you to have one of those suits. You, you know that, so that's why you got to have that. God gave you that one because he's going to change the outward suit into a new suit. That's what Christ is for the soul. So when the soul man leaves the physical house, he has another body, another building. Not made with hands, you understand? This one was made with hands. God made Adam with his hands. He formed man from the dust of the earth. Form, you got to do with your hand. Body, you got five things. You got five senses. That's a pretty easy one here. You got your eye, your hand, your ear, your mouth, your nose. That's pretty simple. Five senses. But then all these are your servants. They're all supposed to serve the Lord. See, when we sit down and watch some demonic, our, we're not serving the Lord with our eyes. We're serving the devil right at that time. See, we're not to think on things that's evil. So if you go through this, you'll see the, the eyes for sight, your hands for church, your ears for hear. You got church and feel, both with the hands. Then you got the mouth, of course, for taste and the nose for smell. And in that mouth, you got a little member called the tongue. He's a bad boy. The tongue is so powerful until God keeps him locked up. You ever did this? I got a dentist I have to see because he put my tooth in wrong right then. I'm still mad with that dentist. Lord, I forgive that. I forgive that dentist. 
But that's why he keep you. Your tongue got to be locked up. That thing would mess up folk. That's why you have to, the first thing you got to tell people when they tongue, that, that tongue get to going, you say, look, just do that. Until you cool off. <laughs> yeah, that thing is bad. All right, now let's get these scriptures out of the way. We got about 10 minutes. I gave you some things. I gave you what, Romans? Romans 2, 28, 29. Now watch this. It says, let's do that at NLT. It says, you, you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. See, that's how they got to be Jews. Through the covenant of Abraham, which was circumcision, it made them a physical Jew. That's why Paul told them, Abraham told them, God told Abraham, circumcise your child. That's why Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. At that time, he came into the covenant of circumcision that everything God had promised them in circumcision, now he was able to get. So now he says, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. See, it had nothing to do with I've been circumcised. But in the, in the Old Testament, they said they're Jews because they've been, circ they've been circumcised. And now they wear black because they're mourning because their temple has not been built. So you got to know why they're wearing black. They're mourning because their temple has not been built. A true Jew is one heart is right with God. True circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, circumcision is a change of heart produced by the Holy Spirit. Not a person with a change of heart seek praise from God, not from people. Right, so he told you what circumcision was. See, it's not cutting of the flesh. Old Testament, only the men had to be circumcised. So that means it was a partial covenant. You didn't have no circumcision for the ladies. Nobody said nothing. Nobody said nothing. <laughs> Nobody said a word. Thank you, brothers. Pray for the brothers. Okay. Bingo. All right, now where I went from there? Everybody know where I went from there? Okay, anyway. I said Isaiah 63, verse 7, 7 through something, 7 through 14. What else I got? Now, I would have done that with you on the screen now. What, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, I was asking for that, wasn't I? Let's go there. I told you we are now one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, thank you. Now, after that, we're going to show you in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 7 through 14. I gave you that. Now, you got to watch this. See, remember, but he that's joined to the Lord, that's once you got saved, right? He is dirty. Okay, maybe that's why he did that. Okay. I don't need all that. I just need just that one verse 17. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Um, did you see that? All right. Once you're joined to the Lord, it's just like a husband and a wife. Once we are joined together, in the natural, we become one flesh. I cannot be married to her and become one spirit. I can only be married to the Lord and become one spirit. So if you marry somebody and they are not in Christ, they are not one spirit with you. 
They can be one soul with you, they can be one body with you, but never one spirit. It's in reverse. Once I was married my wife, we become one flesh. She laid, gave up her name, Dixon, for Crump. One flesh. That's all we had. Because both of us had our faith and confidence in Christ as our Lord and Savior through his death, death and resurrection, that made us one spirit. Now, what people don't understand is the other one that has to come together. And you have to do that through thoughts, conscious reasoning, and that's what people don't understand. It takes 50 years, at least. <laughs> You'll catch on. So you keep saying, well, we don't get along. We don't agree on nothing. That's the part you got to work on. Okay, let's move on. That's the part you got to work on. What side of the bed to sleep on? I don't, I, you know that's my side of the bed over there. What you doing on that side? We're we going to work on it. You sleep on that side sometime. I sleep on that. We're going to work on it. We're not going to fall out because of that. Go to Isaiah. <laughs> you, you get married, you understand that. Amen. That's an awesome thing. We go to different places, beautiful places. We go to thank God. And we go there, and the first thing we do is now, which side of bed you sleep on? <laughs> now, you remember, I'm on the left. <laughs> married couple, y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, there you go. All right, let's do this. Now, watch this. Isaiah 63 and 7. Now, I'm doing this because I'm showing you what God did. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praise of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed upon us and the great goodness towards Israel. Now, he's showing Israel everything he's done for them. What does he want from Israel? To live for him. That's all God asks you to do is live for him. When you don't do that, you grieve the Holy Spirit. God gave you everything you needed, and all he's asked you to do is live for him. Which he bestowed upon them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. Tell you everything. He said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. Did they lie? Yeah. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted. The angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in, in, in his pity, he redeemed them. He bare, he bare them, he carried them all the days of old. But in verse number 10, that's what I'm waiting for, right? But they rebel. But they rebel. But they rebel. They vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy. And he fought against his own people. Now, that's an awesome thing. Now, you, if you watched God's pattern, always go back to Ephesians chapter 2. I think I was reading that. Did I finish? What verse that was? I think I did that. But if you see that, let me show you some Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 for time's sake. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. If you watch Ephesians, remember the first three chapters is telling you everything God did for you. Chapter 4, 5, 6 telling you how you got to live. So if you go to Ephesians 4, the first thing it says is, I therefore the prison of our Lord Jesus Christ beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. The word calling is vocation. Walk worthy of the calling wherewith he call you. Well, what was the calling? Be holy, for I am holy. See, walk worthy of the calling wherewith he call you. 
See? With all meekness and long-suffering, forbear one another in love. How to treat one another. He called you to walk in love with everybody. Wait a minute. I don't want to walk in love with everybody. You grieve in the Holy Spirit. People coming to church got urchin. Urchin scattered the people. Not, not because they want to. Walk in the church, the first thing Usher says, would you sit here, please? I don't want to sit there. I want to sit over there. So the Usher be like, okay, go where you want to go. So they come back in the office, and I says, Ursus, why you let them do you like that? Pastor, you, you want to come out here sometime, you'll see. <laughs> your people, your people something. <laughs> That's what God said to Moses. Moses. Moses said to God, Lord, your people. Got my extra scared. All they ask is. I look at the urchin, they go like. I'm going to show you in the word. See, when, even when people come to church, know it is 9 o'clock. Know the service at 9 o'clock. They're not coming on 9 o'clock. No, they come in 9, 30, quarter, 10. See, you don't understand. I'm going to show you the word of God. Let me, let me show you this one. This is going to be the last one. Let me show you this. This is going to be in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 29. Hebrews 10, 23 through 29. Do that in the NLT while you're there. I'm not going to do that one anymore right there. We, we, we got, look like we're going to be here again. We must have needed it. Watch what, watch what he said to the Hebrews. He taught this to the Hebrews. He said, look, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. They had to hold on to the end. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Paul talked to the Hebrews. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Let us think of ways to motivate, motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Isn't that something? Think of ways to motivate one another. Do you ever think of ways to motivate anybody except yourself? Let us not, watch what he says here. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Nine o'clock Sunday morning, 11 o'clock Sunday morning. See, they had a time on Saturday where they had to go to the synagogue. So he told him, to look, forsake not, the King James says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together, which is the manner of some is. So people got, so I don't have to go to church. You got these group of people who don't think they got to go, and you got this group don't think I got to go on time. Right. Some don't think they got to go at all. Some don't think they got to go on, on time. As long as I'm there. Because I don't serve man, I serve the Lord. No, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. Somebody got to tell you. Amen. Let's put it up there again. See, when you're doing what you want to do, listen, I didn't call you. The Lord called you. Don't you understand? I'm calling me. Come here at 9 o'clock. The, 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 the calling me. Come here at 11. If you come to church at 11, come here at 11. Come to church at 9. Come here at 9. That's a calling. Now, if the Lord was standing here and says, okay, Crump, I called them all this morning. It'll be here at 9. You walk in at 10 o'clock, quarter to 10. I'm like, who called you? Who, who called? 
Don't say the Lord call you. He Lord call you at nine. Come on. Now watch this. If you don't think that's accurate, go to work. What time do you have to be up? I'm telling you, you said four o'clock in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning. Now, if you got to go meet Mr. Ford, Miss Ford, whatever the one it is, and your time starts at what time? I start at six, but I have to be on my job by 545. Oh, my God. You got to be on your job at 545. To so, to turn your computer, everything, to log, to log in, so you can start at six. Yes. Tell me this. If you come down that aisle way headed to your job, about two or three mornings at six o'clock in the morning, what do you think will happen to you after a week? Oh, I'll be in the office. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're probably going to be yeah. fired soon if you keep that attitude, right? The key is we don't think about it, but with our job, you do your job like that. Now, God gave you chapter one, two, three, always everything he's done. Now he says, okay, I want you to live for me now. Gave you everything so you can do it. And yet, we keep telling God, I just can't do that. It's hard for me. You didn't say it was hard for you when he blessed you with all spiritual blessings of the heavenly place in Christ. When you put all his money in this dough in your back pocket, when you ride in his cars and sit in his house and drink it up, all this is good. You got everything. He blessed you. But then he wants you to live right. Live for him now. That's what we got to understand. You ain't doing it for me. My job is to get up and minister. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Encourage one another, especially now, because they was waiting on the Lord to return. Keep going. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning, now he's talking about that to Hebrews because they rejected the cross. So he says, if we continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, so if they continue not going to church, not worshiping God, keep on doing what they were doing, after they heard the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice that will cover your sins. There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment. That was for them. We ain't got no judgment coming. You're just grieving the Holy Spirit. He's not, he's not going to judge you because there ain't no condemnation. But it's just like a mother. She ain't going to throw you out tonight. But she did ask you to come home at 10, not 2.30 in the morning. And then you walk in just like you own the place. And, and all their action. You know, when a mother go look in the, in the room of a child, and all of a sudden they see like, what in the world happened up in here? All they ask you to do is just clean your room up. That grieved the mother. And the mother don't want to see her house like that. So she have to go do it herself. And then the child come home just like everything is well, want to give a high five. Ain't no high five. <laughs> I've been cleaning your room all day and you won't give me a high five. You know, I'm going to stop right there. My time is up. Somebody get a Lord a great day. <laughs> How many know that grieves the, grieve the heart of the parent? When the children do not walk in obedience, it grieves the heart of the parent. It's no different when we do not walk in obedience, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Can we get a lot of great big hands for that, please? Let's thank God for his goodness.
Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.